The following podcast will contain spoilers for all aired episodes in HBO's Game of Thrones and all published books in George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series. Did anybody else get like weird Sparrow is into Marjorie vibes? Or is that just me? Nah. Oh. No. I yeah. think he was going for like more the grandfatherly like, oh, fuck your husband, dear. He just wants to watch. The dead one. Stop bringing it up. Welcome to the Vassals of Kingsgrave Dragoncast Edition. We are back this week to review the seventh episode of Game of Thrones Season 6, The Broken Man, directed by Mark Millard, written by Brian Cogman. My name is Zach, also known as Alias on the forums, and joining me for this review we have... This is Adam, also known as Drown Snow on the forums. This is Katie, Lady Griffin on the forums. This is Jeff, Jeff14 on the forums. This is Casey, Blue-Eyed Queen on the forums. This is Michal, Ink as Rain on the forums. This is Small Paul, Sir General on the forums. This is Grand Claudius the Fool on the forums. Now Matt Farley on the forums. And that is our crew for the seventh episode of Game of Thrones. Another pretty solid episode all in the whole. We got to see a lot of stuff all around Westeros, which was pretty cool. So let's see what you guys thought about it. Starting with you, Adam, how would you rate The Broken Man? Uh, I give it a 3.5. I liked it, but it wasn't like, I don't know, it wasn't some great episode or anything. I Mm-hmm. I didn't have too many complaints, though. So. All right, solid. And Katie? Uh, I'll give it a 3.7. I thought it was highly enjoyable, but I found the Sandor parts exasperating and frustrating for a lot of reasons. And I'm sure we'll get into that in depth. <laughs> and Jeff, what did you think of the episode? Um, I thought, like, a 3.5. I thought the Sansa John dynamic was kind of weird. And then the end of the episode, Arya should be dead, but she obviously won't. Yeah, probably not. And Casey, what did you think? I'm also giving it a 3.5. I just thought it was alright. I thought it was another setup episode when we already had a setup episode uh, last episode, so I was kind of a little disappointed in that sense, but you know, there's not really much to complain about either. It was just a little bit eh, whatever. It's interesting (laughs) though, because I think in past seasons, seasons you could describe most of the episodes as setup episodes, but maybe this season we're expecting something more because it started with so much energy, I guess you could call it that. True. Alright, Michal, what did you think? Yeah, probably about a three. It did strike me as I was watching this season that like, I mean this episode that wow, this season is better than last season. Like, just wow. But, yeah, I mean, I liked parts of the episode. I didn't like other parts of the episode. Um, I agree that the Sansa stuff is a little strange. And I really like the Arya stuff, but then I heard a theory that made me annoyed about it. We'll have to see what that is. Uh, But first, first, Paul, small Paul, what did you think? I initially gave it a 3.5, but then I watched it again earlier today. And Liana Mormont just made me have to bump it up to a four. All right. So yeah. Yeah. that is true. She was yeah. littlest badass. Yeah, for sure. And Greg, so um, <clears throat> I liked it except for you know one or two scenes, but I'll give it a solid four. Um, I was more on the edge of my seat in this episode than in past ones because I kept expecting them to do stuff that I thought was obvious, and they didn't. I liked it. It was a four. I was more surprised by stuff that didn't happen, basically, than stuff that did. And Matt. So I gave it a four out of five. It did feel like a setup uh, episode, like Casey said, but and it should probably be deducted an entire point for having Ian McShane on it and 
narrowly as cocksucker was said. As for me, I would probably give it around 3.5 to 4 as well. There were a lot of really fun things just getting to see these locations that we haven't before, like Bear Island and, and like the full river run. We haven't really gotten it at this scale before, so that was really cool. And it was just fun, cool Westeros stuff. But on the whole, I felt like the plot of the episode really was up and down. There were some scenes I really liked and some I really did not like. I really loved Ian McShane in spite of the lack of cocksuckers, and that's obviously debatable, and we'll get into it. But yeah, I was a big fan of him, so that was good. Uh, this is the first time we've seen him with his like actual accent because that's how he regular he really talks right i guess I don't know. no was didn't he do that in uh pillars of the earth he's Maybe. a little more posh in pillars of the earth he was like a bishop and shit i think well he's kind of like a bishop and shit building a sept instead of a cathedral that's true did anyone else think that they were building the scaffolding uh, to hang edmure when it opened? i was like why well, not what's going <laughs> yes, on yes actually no. i did yeah. I, was very yeah, I was trying to figure out what that was still don't know what it is but but yeah let's go ahead it's and get sept. into it it's yeah. supposed to be a oh, seven okay, points okay. right all right where's well, their village by the way there's no that, that's totally just, there's people in the field building it like where, where do these people live <laughs> it's yeah. over just that over, big just hill. over the hill yeah Convenient. we just hit one episode the hill <laughs> that well, i think they're probably homeless and are just like well if they're following a a septon then it makes sense that they're like we're gonna build the sept first you know if you build it they will come exactly that's how it works this definitely is going to invalidate my summary though which i'll get into now which is beginning of the riverlands of course where a small band of villagers is building a treehouse thing that's what i thought it was so (laughs) (laughs) um we learn that none other than Sandor Clegane is with them, having survived the wounds he suffered in his fight with Brienne. The leader of the group, the, a warrior turned Septon, speaks with him, and Sandor says that he still feels guilt over his past deeds. At a gathering, the Septon shares his bloody history, but is interrupted by the arrival of three men from the Brotherhood Without Banners, who have come to extort the poor, innocent villagers. The leader is able to get the Brotherhood to leave, but Sandor warns him that they will return. When Sandor returns from the forest after gathering water, he finds the whole community slaughtered and the leader hanged on the treehouse thing. That's too bad. Sandor grabs an axe and stalks off. So, this is Sandor Clegane. He's back. He's alive. What a surprise! (laughs) (laughs) No way. Clegane ball! Get hyped! Get hyped! We we saw Clegane with a bowl in his hand. That's all the confirmation you needed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was anyone else surprised I don't know why but I guess we've had all these years of assuming of like of, of sitting with the grave digger theory right and all we know of the guy is that he's digging a grave um, and for some reason I had like translated that into my mind I guess through theories and, and discussion and stuff into like he's very penitent he's very he's gone religious he like is devoted to this religious life which may or may not be the case in the books but that was my assumption so then to hear him basically unchanged and say like oh i'm basically being driven by hate and like all this stuff i was like a little jarred i don't think he's supposed to be unchanged i think he is supposed to be a more i don't know less violent yeah more subdued and it's certainly not on the level of the books and I, i don't think that they're the same character in that way but i think it's very clear that that was at least their intention was to make him to make him a different man if, if they were not successful then that might be another thing yeah and i mean how much time has passed here six months nine months i mean to have a complete turnaround would be a little weird too that's fair he's gonna have a turnaround like uh they'll reveal it like usual suspects when you know instead of limping he'll start walking straight and they'll be like yeah i'm back bitches spoilers 
I think that was the last. For usual suspects. That was... I'll include it in the uh, in the intro for sure. So who wants to bet that that limp's gonna be gone when he's fighting? One hand in the air right here. <laughs> I honestly didn't even notice he was limping. Oh yeah, he had like the in, in, one inverted foot kind of thing. I don't know. He's like carrying well, a log. He's carrying that's a just his swagger. Come on. Well, well, the weird looking swagger. The Septon Ray, his name being, of course, that's what they gave. Ray, Ray yeah. the Septon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, he mentioned that his bone was sticking out of his leg, so I assume there was a oh, that's that, right. that he had a messed up. Also, leg. come on, like that is the most clumsy exposition ever, right? Like, how long have they been well, together? <laughs> when I found you, like... you, let me explain the last. <laughs> The last part after Brienne nearly killed you. Be like, Septon Ray, have you been drinking again? I heard this story yesterday. Well, yeah, what? How come every time we start a conversation, you tell me about the day we first met? You know, this could have been the first time he sat down and talked, because like, every day he was afraid, and this is the first day he brought his bowl of goulash yeah. and sat down with them, and it's like, yeah. hey, let's chat. I can no, it's just it's just a necessary bit of TV show. It's fine. I don't know, I bought it. At least we got that epic Broken Man speech, right? That was great. Well, I, I think, you know, we didn't get the Broken Man speech, which, for those of us who enjoy it, is disappointing, obviously. But I, I would have, I mean, I don't know. It feels like it wouldn't translate that well. It's a long speech, and only the High Sparrow is allowed to do those, as we know. Um, so, I, I, come on. You hire Ian McShane. You hire him to, to give that kind of speech. Yeah, like, but he gave this something. really could have been any actor. Right? He gave something, right? Yeah. yeah. But it was like... You know, I, I think I, they just hired him because they wanted to see him hang. It's did anyone That's else cold. feel really ho- was left really hollow by this part of the episode? And not just because I don't care that the books are different than the show or the show has a different thesis than the the books. I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. I'm even fine with them wasting an actor like Ian McShane. But it just feels like there's only really two ways that characters are developed in the show, and it's either they're developed as being victims or they're developed as instigators of violence. And so it like that the way that they wrapped up, you know, Sandor's very brief interlude with this commune is, Oh, everyone gets slaughtered and he gets to go be a badass again and fuck some shit up. And it's like, well, that's, hmm. that's basically how almost everybody's arc seems to go at some point. It's like they either become victimized or they become victimizers. Like there's, it just it left me really cold. I was like, there was uh, dozens of ways they could have gone with his character or just done something different, and it just felt like they've done what they've always done, which is not interesting to me anymore. Well, I mean, wasn't that the point of his speech when he says that violence is a disease? You you can't cure a disease like with the disease. That's the point, and kind of something that I think Dean do do a lot is that they pay lip service to these themes with, and then immediately contradict it with well, what they actually... I think actually... that was the point, though. I don't think it was contradiction. I think it was supposed uh, to be some kind of irony, right, that he's making this grandiose statement, but the idea, and I'm not saying I agree with it, but the idea seems to be that the world just can't can't accept that kind of point of view. There will always be violence and we can't stop it. Right. Sure, and it's even... just... It's not, I don't know, like, I don't care, like, violence can be fun on the show, I don't care that there's violence, I like when Danny sets things on fire with her dragons, I like when Arya stabs <laughs> shit, but at a certain point, I don't, at some point I just want the, some of these characters to do something different, and... Uh. Didn't the High Sparrow already say that, like, in the first episode, that we're all sinners and we all deserve death? It's just, like, the nature of man, or whatever, that they're... I think it's more the nature of the show, but... Sure, I've, accept- I've accepted it at this point. It's just I'm venting my, I get my lack of response to it. 
I think it stands out, and you pointed this out to me last night, Katie, that, like, it's, yeah, I think it stands out more because because it is the broken man, you know, and they're trying to channel that idea, presumably, with the speech and with the title and with, you know, the septon. But, but the, the, the problem is, like, that is used. And again, I agree, again, with Katie, that it's not the problem in the difference. The problem is that these devices are used to, like, very distinctly different ends in the book and, like, subtler and kind of more humanistic ends in the book. I'm not, I'm not like the number one cheerleader of that speech. Like I think it's a great speech, but like, it doesn't, it doesn't like do the things for me that it does for a lot of other people. But I still think that, you know, it is very powerful and it is very telling that in, in this kind of like horrible, gory landscape, you know, we have this speech about kind of the folly of it all. And the man who chooses to be ultimately very human in spite of that suffering and the, it seems to work out in in the books. And, you know, here it's just kind of a deliberate, like, you know, Pollyanna versus, you know, a harsh, cold reality that I thought was kind of lacking at least some subtlety. Yeah, I, I totally respect that opinion, and I think that it makes sense. And I do think the book definitely treats it, at least, at least with you, say, like, more subtlety and takes more care with it. But I think that... I don't know. I think it, there is something tragic about the idea that maybe we can do away with violence. Maybe this is something that we don't need. Maybe this is something that we can that that is obviously an awful thing, and we're trying to stop it. And we just it just is impossible in the world that they live. Well, obviously that's happen. tragic. I mean, that's yeah, kind of- which I, you know I kind of like. I kind of like. I think that I prefer it in the book. Obviously, I think that that's a stronger message. But I think that the message here was strong too. I don't think it was worthless. I guess I, I I would be more impressed with that statement if I didn't feel like that we're immediately going to revel and cheer when Sander goes and fucks some shit up. <laughs> yeah, but that's more a criticism of the fan base, isn't it, than the the show? No, I think that come on, they meant they meant that to be like a yeah, you know, they, they're not. Yeah, maybe. I also, I mean, I agree with Katie. I think this would have been more interesting if it was. I mean, look, maybe we don't know. Maybe he'll really be like. I'm only pursuing this violence, like, to end violence. I don't know which would be more interesting. But, like, in a show that is so violent and a character that has been so violent, I think it would have been interesting to see him take another another tack. You know, maybe, like, begrudgingly pick up his weapon or something like that. Instead, he's just like, yeah, I'm back, yeah. bitches, you know? That's fair enough. Yeah. I was just mm-hmm. bothered by what the fuck happened to all the peasants at the end. Because are we led like to believe that, like... The Brotherhood did all that in like the thirty seconds it took for Sandor to walk out of the woods. Yeah, yeah, and one they, scream. They attacked them. They attacked them for food and provisions, which they just left all over the floor. <laughs> they have a lot of experience with this. Okay. Yeah, they're really so, good at it. <laughs> the Brotherhood is not the Brotherhood from the books. I mean, we know that. But, but that said, I no. think the Brotherhood no, in the in, books. The Brotherhood in the even, books is depraved, also, and even before. They, yeah, they've, even they've before, twisted. Even before Lady Stoneheart, you know, they were doing that thing where they were going around taking things and giving people IOUs everywhere. Like they were never like a paragon of truth and justice. They're yeah, but they weren't. They weren't slaughtering people either. And I think this kind of like well, points a finger to them being led by uh, Lady Stoneheart that they they hanged a few. I don't know. They hanged a few yeah. fray kids that were like teenagers that felt very unfair. That's <laughs> and, uh, and they before were that, they had the mountain to, and Tywin's men to focus on. So you're a bit more forgiving because they're 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 getting their vengeance on these people, right? 
and once that's gone, what naturally, what are they going to do to keep going? Well, no, I mean, even Thoreau says it's like, ah, uh, no, we used to deliver justice, not vengeance. Like, yeah, I mean, they're definitely degraded, and I think you're. I mean, we we can't say for sure if Stoneheart is the reason behind it, but this certainly adds a little more fuel to the fire, right? Do we do we well, think Stoneheart's more likely now? I do. No, possibly. I, so. I mean, we I saw the so. I just I don't want to I don't want to believe. I feel like it's too late. <laughs> Honestly, like, I'd be mad if it doesn't, if it if it actually happens, because it's gonna be like after all this time, really, we're gonna do this. Well, but now. we got Col- we got a, a, a version of Colton, <laughs> so we could get a version of Stoneheart. I, I will say I don't think it's gonna happen at all, but I will say that I definitely this season has been kind of one of returning of old characters on many levels. I know we all assume Clegane Bowl kind of, right? Because that's what we all want. And Not all of us. That's kind of what the show's doing. Well, right, Katie? It's just uh, <laughs> day one. <laughs> well, okay, I'm just, like, that's, like, the popular theory. But what I'm saying here is for the show, there's no real connection to the faith for the Hound. Well, what do we know that's in the Riverlands? Jamie. But could he maybe get mixed up in that? It doesn't really... Right now, there's nothing driving him to King's Landing. And... Jamie is in the Riverlands as well as Brienne, and we know kind of where that ends up in the book. So, could that possibly be something that the Hound gets involved in? That well, would be really. Sansan, he's going to meet Sansa again at Riverrun. <laughs> no, that would be better. Really... She's not going to Riverrun. That would be really everybody interesting, was going to though, because um, in the books, Brienne, it, she's the one that goes to the Quiet Isle, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Five. So, and she, they have no connection when they meet, but they have a connection if they do meet again now. So, oh, yeah. Sandor's going to be like, girl. <laughs> <laughs> if it leads to the death of Jamie, possibly, then, you know, that might open the, you know, the, the hound saying, well, you know, he hears what's going on in King's Landing or something. And he maybe he maybe Jamie even lets spill that Gregor is alive or undead, and that sends him to King's Landing. Yeah, I think that's it because he already stated he's still driven by hate, and hate for his brothers, you know, paramount. I wouldn't mind seeing Sandor just don a hockey mask with that axe and go all backwoods axe murder on the brothers. Nice, just well, like pop out of that, pop the... out of trees, cut off their limb, hair. red cloak. Yeah. That's the first step, right? I think, obviously, the first thing he's going to go do is kill some Brotherhood. It's just like a five-minute thing where he's just standing around the corpses of, and, like, there's one last guy to give exposition and explain how the Brotherhood's all dead now, you know? Like, that would be... Oh, man. I know you, like, saved me for later to give this exposition, but here, let me repeat what I said earlier. You <laughs> killed Stoneheart! Look over there! And there's, like, a lady just in the face down. <laughs> Uh, that's oh, that the sort of be, thing the show would do. Yeah, that'd be a total, total show move for sure. And I think uh, Small Paul already said it, but like the IMDb page gave the middle guy as Lem. Yeah, I think right? I think it was confirmed. That that yeah, was, I noticed that. That was at least an Easter egg. At least an Easter egg because he had the, he had the yellowish cloak and yeah, he's been credited as that. So. He turned kind of bad though too. So yeah, like I loved him until the last chapter or so that he was in and you were like what the hell happened to this guy right right he stole the uh hound's helmet right so he became the hound the whole, the whole yeah. uh, oh my gosh it's cursed dread pirate robert's hound thing that was happening in feast that wasn't yeah. lamb i thought that was 
I thought that was Rorge, oh gosh, it was Rorge, I, yeah. It was Rorge then then left. No, but then one of the yeah one of them was wearing it afterwards. Yeah, okay. it's during uh, Brienne's oh, like. Oh, they got uh, it after. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. One of the one of the other things I did appreciate about about Ray the Septon was was sort of you know it's obvious and it's kind of it's kind of on the nose, but I really did like the the contrast between him and the and the High Sparrow, where he obviously is the laid back Septon. Whereas the High Sparrow is the more authoritarian kind of guy who is who is totally in it with the with the gods and he's he's taken with the the Book of the Seven and and all of that. Whereas this guy is more about the the positive, you know, the benign aspects of just being a, a good person that believes in, in something more. And and I liked the contrast and I like that they gave a different perspective on it. Yeah, and I mean, it was cool just to see, I mean, like that, that conversation he had about kind of theology with the Hound and, and yeah. sort of, you know, that like, look, I don't know who's, who, what God is real. I don't know what the actual like metaphysical deal is here, but like, there's something going on, you know, which I thought was a pretty reasonable and liberal idea to have right. in Westeros. Right. It was, it was good, and I think that it's so easy to go to the to the kind of religious approach we see out of a character like the High Sparrow, and it's less easy to give give uh, a perspective like this. So I like that. Did anyone else notice, and I thought it was very sad, but his uh, hanging body was missing his seven-pointed bling. Right, they stole that, yeah. Yeah, was it? Brotherhood takes what they can get. Alright, any last thoughts or anything on this section before we move on? Just that I really liked the cold opening and the fact that they like they had the theme song kind of playing yeah. in the background. Good music. I liked how his scenes cut, like went right back and forth with Arya's scenes. I thought that was kind of a nice thing. Yeah. Mm. Are you well, a I'd... San Arya shipper, is what you're saying? No! I, you know, I'm just, is kidding. There just like... Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. You know, they were just the last people. She was the last one to be with him, and yeah, I feel like they like they. Yeah, exactly. And she's the reason he's alive. Yeah. In a weird fucked yeah, up way. Um, yeah. So. I actually, like, started the episode late, and I was already getting, like, text message and saw, like, the dragon cast thread of, like... So I was like, okay, so... Like, the HBO... <laughs> part so i just like fast forward it and it was like a scene i was like what the fuck is this no there yeah. should be a previously on <laughs> usually i skip the, usually i skip the previously on so i was momentarily baffled when there was an actual scene happening before the intro but it was good it was definitely a good cold over but those those peasants i mean those peasants were just wearing like yeah we're red shirt <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah they're like oh things are good look at how many carrots we have we're eating Building a set. People are happy in Game of Thrones. Can't have that now, can we? Nope. (laughs) Alright, let's go ahead and move to the North section, which is our next bit, where the great Northern recruitment campaign begins. First with the Wildlings, who are still skeptical of pledging their swords and other various rusty weapons to a Southron cause. With the help of Tormund and 1-1, Jon is able to convince them to follow him, warning him that the Boltons and their allies will wipe them out. So yeah, this first bit, pretty straightforward, but do we have any thoughts on this piece? It was basically like the word of a giant who aren't really known much for their thinking capabilities that basically sways all the wildlings. Well, I think they respect them, certainly, right? They respect Yeah, them. like literally well, the I'd one word. I'd respect something that can kill me really quickly, too, but... I want to know how they knew he was talking about John. Snow! <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of snow around them. Yeah. Maybe he was just like, I have to go pee. Look I know! Yellow snow. So, Maybe. to nitpick, I feel like they, once again, switch the, like, even though, like, the wildlings don't really have a, like, structure of command or, like, hierarchy it was kind of like led up to for us to believe that Tormund was in charge 
and then randomly there's other guys in charge. Well, that's the point of the free folk, right? Everyone has their say. Well, he wasn't in charge, though, the other guy. He was just kind of louder than everyone else standing around. Which is how they function as a society. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure those guys there were their other captains and stuff. Had to give a report to the uh, citizens board. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they talk about right. tribes and clans, right? So right. I like that they forgot that female wildlings are allowed to fight. Oh my gosh. I haven't seen any. No spearwives. Yeah, hashtag what spearwives. Yeah. We, we saw hashtag a hard dog head at one point. Didn't, oh no, cello. I'm getting my wildlings in my mountain clans. And but, she's dead. We saw a well, we've seen, we've seen We've seen some women <laughs> oh, yeah. fighting, obviously, but <laughs> I just, yeah, I guess most of their women don't roll that way. Didn't they even say a line in this episode or something like, or I, am I like completely misremembering that, like about women not their women not fighting? He said something about like half of like most of us are women and children or something or right? Yeah. Hashtag your wives matter. <laughs> I mean, I guess like if you got the children, some people have to stay behind and take care of them if the army's going off. But have the old yeah. people do that? Because they talked about how many fighting men they had, didn't they? Yep. Well, apparently, there's no old, there's if, no old wildlings. If we can, <laughs> if we can use Carsey as, an, as a as a template, then apparently wildling women just melt into pieces and lie down and die the second they see children. So right. those were her kids. No, they weren't. No, they were. Those oh, were random right. kids. That was too. stupid. Then I just realized yeah. that kids are her kids were safe somewhere. on a boat. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And she was just like, "Oh, I my uterus exploded. I can't move." Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. I the point of that was to say I just wanted to see one or two like yeah, female yeah. captains with the wildlings. Yeah. We may, we may. Let's not let's not judge them before the, the great wildling battle is over. So yeah, okay. this scene was pretty pretty straightforward. Do we have any other thoughts on it before we move on? I have no notes until it says, "Does everyone have knows the Night's King's name all of a sudden? Like <laughs> right. that's just a thing now." Well, I think it's yeah, supposed I, to be a legend, I mentioned... right? I mentioned Night that King. he's just Night King. Yeah. They, like, I think they, I mean, they never mentioned it before, but I think at least the captions for the episodes it was Night's King. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but, but yeah, yeah, it's Night King now. Yeah, but some someone was saying that I guess like on the Thrones wiki or something they're saying that it's like it's I think maybe on like the DVDs they mentioned that it's like the Night King. He's like the boogeyman. Like everyone knows about him, right. but I'm pretty sure no one on the show has really ever said that anything like that. Yeah. It's just assumed, I guess, but yeah, not a huge deal, ultimately. All right, so let's go to the next piece in the north, where John, Sansa, and Davos visit Bear Island and stand before Lady Liana Mormont and her two advisors, one of which is clearly Stannis in disguise. No, take no opinions otherwise. Lady Mormont. Wait, what did I miss? The guy on the left? Yeah, he's standing. The guy on the left. Come on, he looks just like him. And the guy on the right has Hodor's hair. He looks just like him, I swear. The Stannis Davos shippers really like that theory. I I could not get over the fact that he looked exactly like Stannis to me. Maybe I'm delusional, but he looked just like Stannis. Yeah, with like long hair, right? He had short hair. He had balding hair, right? So took Davos a long time to butt in because he was just looking at the other guy, going, "Ah, there's something familiar about this yeah, guy. I can't exactly. put my yeah, finger they, on it right they've now." They've referenced Stannis losing his head way too many times this season, so you know that obviously is not what happened. No, that's Stannis for sure. Just <laughs> sitting right there. <laughs> it's right, but a week early retirement. So Lady Mormont is reluctant to pledge herself to a bastard and a Lannister and or Bolton. But is convinced by Davos's warning of the impending White Walker threat, she pledges all sixty-two of her fighting men to the cause. So yes, building an army here. Oh, give me a break! Not Heck all yeah, old, she not does. Old, old men over fifty look like Stannis. He looks—he looks just <laughs> like him. I. Oh, all right, whatever. It's whatever. not. 
Yes, he I does. I think it was I closer know. to Davos uh, than Stannis. Maester Hodor, on the other hand, yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> See? He's got Hodor's Hodor, hair and everything. Hodor time-traveled with his mind back intact and went to the Citadel and made a living. Like, I feel like it was just like the wardrobe people might be playing a, a joke. All right. No, so Leanna Mormont is yeah. the best and yeah. all I want from this show. Yep. She is really great. Survive. I have to say, it looks amazing, and I can't believe Jorah would ever want to leave that place. It looked really cool. Like, the, the castle at least looks really cool. Maybe the island is just, you know, not very fun, unless you're a hunter. Not fun for Lyness, more, uh Hightower, at least. Davos has a creepy, like, nine-year-old girl whisperer thing going. Yeah, I thought it was weird that it took him to persuade her over. Because... Why? She, because, like, she, she she's always... Or they sent out a letter that said um, we only b- trust Stark and then she ends up not trusting the Starks which I do get why she's wary but um, I don't understand why Davos was the big point he's been talking uh, to uh, Shireen for seasons he's got gentle loving father voice I don't think it's that she what? didn't trust the Starks I think that she wanted she you know she wanted them to kind of lay it out a little better to kind of earn it a little since there, as she said, like John is not a Stark and Sansa is now a Bolton, and so maybe Davos, being someone who kind of earned what he got, and he was able to kind of give well, that extra push. Why weren't they pushing that the Boltons have Rickon in their dungeons? The not until Stark. later. Yeah, like how was that not their opening move? Like, there's your Stark. Well, but that's because he he'll be dead like next episode, and then people will be right. like, "Well, that's stupid." The other thing we need to call out is she totally calls her Lady Sandra in the scene. You're not wrong, Adam. You're I watched that. I had to watch it like three times because I thought it was crazy. How does so, that make it to the final cut? Maybe so on purpose? They have so much time on set that they're allowed to work, so maybe that was just a really good take other than that. And, I mean, she's young enough, she probably isn't allowed to watch the show. She probably hasn't, doesn't really know Sansa or anything and just screwed it up. Like, she did a great job. Maybe she has trouble with her S's. He so, should have corrected her. He's known to do that. <laughs> I just learned how to read, and uh, let me let me correct you. Let us then move to the next bit on the campaign, where they visit the Glovers of Deepwood Mott, but Sansa and Jon are both met by a stone wall. Robert Glover refuses to pledge his swords when the Boltons had just saved his castle from the Ironborn, a feat that the late Rob Stark failed to accomplish. So yeah, this is the moment where it doesn't go so great for for the Stark campaign. Yeah, I really I was, liked this scene. It was I liked how it showed how precarious and how like not everyone is just going to jump behind the Starks and it was a really good window into like what these people have actually been through like you just expect Sansa to show up and them to bend the knee and it does not happen I was kind of disappointed because we got like an approaching shot of Fair Island but then for Deepwood Mott we just get like this little set and I'm just like the Iron oh. Fist you know it's boring Agreed. I think we should take what we got and be happy with that we got it at all right yeah um well yeah a, I wanted Santa to have a better argument than like, but swear though, and yeah, um, but also yeah, the, I, I don't know what it's called. It sounds to me like there is something with a C, but they keep mentioning this other house like Kerwins. down south. Kerwins? Like, yeah, I thought they were gonna. Is say it Kerwins? Kerwin? It's yeah. Sirwin, but I was. I, I thought it was. I always read as Sirwin too, but yeah, that's oh, how I read okay. It. Because it kept really throwing me off, but yeah, Sirwin was uh, the guy with like the Knights of the Rabbits that used to like yeah. like ride around and like sing songs, and oh, then they all got slaughtered. That's the place oh, Theon the and Clef Josh show up first, and they yeah. 
that killed him. Yeah. Uh, like is that who Santa sends the letter to? No. That's no, not. she sent it to Vale. She sent Little it to Littlefinger, Finger, yeah. She did? Yeah, yeah, that's who she sent yeah. it to. Yeah. Are you playing with us, Mikhail? Did you not know that? Uh, I didn't know that. I was trying to take notes at the same time. But also, no, because she complains to John. I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but she's like, we need more people, and he's like, "No, we're fine. Whatever." Oh, I know where to get people. Yeah, she. Okay. Oh, uh, I oh, just so turned I around she... the entire Knights of the Veil. Vale. Like, maybe I should get them. Right. So I thought she was talking about that other house. She took she took Cersei's letter from the books and wrote it to Littlefinger instead of the one that Cersei sent Jamie. Right. <laughs> I need okay. you. Come to me. Come to me. <laughs> oh God. I love you. I love you. That's, that's not what she said. You. Someone actually went and looked in what it actually said. And yeah, it's basically, I need the Knights of the Vale. I'll reward you. It's time for you to pay your debt, etc. Kind of. <laughs> Which is what he tried to do a week ago. Like we just, yeah. got, just got back. He's <laughs> like, I knew this would happen. He just times. pops in his TARDIS and he's there. It's no problem. They, they probably already made he's, it back to the Vale and they've been there for like three weeks. No, no his whole army has just been hiding. Yeah. yeah, he's, he's yeah. just been hiding like like one mile away, you know, over the hill or whatever. <laughs> the entire <laughs> army is like Bailman. behind a tree. <laughs> I would love it if he just like floats in like the Wicked Witch of the West or something. Like, like, <laughs> like, that, that, like that part in the first season where he like slides over and talks to Sansa. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. <laughs> Those eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. So, I mean, we're on it already, but does anyone want to say anything else about the Glovers before we, we get to the last bit? I think they really put up a good argument, and I think it was like, when he's like, we cried like when your father was killed, and we, you know... Our, we got our banners when Rob called them, and, and and this is why I'm like, tell them that Rickon is in the fucking dungeon because he's like, House Stark is dead. It's like, yeah. no, House Stark is in the fucking dungeon. Well, it will yeah. soon be dead. <laughs> it makes you wonder if the North should be remembering it all, almost. <laughs> Did you guys actually read the episode description? Because I thought it was really funny where it ended with, and the North is reminded. <laughs> That's what it's oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what it's <laughs> yeah, it does. It's like, that's they did this, oh. and the North is reminded. Whoever, whatever dicks. intern came up with that gets my props. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so, so last bit. The Wildling slash Northern Army picks camp on the path to Winterfell. Jon is adamant they attack Winterfell despite their lack of numbers. Davos says they can do it if they are smart, then is dragged away by a scuffle among the soldiers. Sansa says that they must try to recruit more houses. Jon holds firm, and later on her own, Sansa writes a letter and sends a raven. So, yeah. We've gotten into it a little bit, but this is the last scene. But f- fucking Ramsay's gonna send 20 picked men yeah. and fuck ah. everything up in that camp. But Lyanna's got her 62 good men, and they're gonna fuck them up. Oh, and they're the worth 10 of any mainland. The perfect yeah. counter. We found it. And there's a river for the horses to drink from, because Stannis was a brilliant military commander. <laughs> so we've been told. Well, he is aiding Lyanna, so... <laughs> That's true, he was right there. He's her top advisor. Oh, boy. <laughs> It was the scene was a little odd. It felt like it, John's perspective didn't make sense. It felt kind of overdone just to, to set some kind of contrast between him and Sansa. Like, why would he want to attack them with no numbers? Like, it's just suicide. It's basically what Stannis did. Why would he do yeah. that? Which means it's not going to happen. Yeah, but why is he? Why does he want to? That's, I just don't understand his logic, and it feels. Well, like I understand just... he's in a hurry because winter is coming, and uh, the dead, are, the dead are coming. It felt yeah. off. Yeah, I, I agree, actually. It was kind of, uh, like, manufactured, especially since, like, I mean, they're on a deadline, but, like, not that tight of a deadline. 
And at this point, yeah. it kind of like it really makes Littlefinger seem like I, I mean, assuming that Littlefinger comes back uh, with the nice veil. Yeah, it's sort of just like, well, I was here and now I left. And the whole point of this was so that like we could just hang out until I came back. Maybe it won't be like that. Since they made such a huge point towards the Manderleys, like why wouldn't they show them going towards the Manderleys yeah. considering it's in they've, the complete they've opposite direction? They've mentioned them like every episode and for some reason. Well, no, but they're, aren't they actually going in like ge- what makes geographical sense? They went, they're going like counterclockwise, you know? Yeah, but it like, seems like they they're going to Winterfell now, right? Yeah, they're. Well, now I'm sure they'll get a raven or a rider from White Harbor saying, hey, I got ships and shit, you know, come to me, or maybe they'll meet up, I don't know. They're definitely coming into it. There's no way they mention Manderley's nine times and they don't show up on the Right. Film. We're going to get a beautiful panning shot of White Harbor. We're going to go down and see, like, the hall that, like, has all the, like, mermaid mur- murals and shit like that. It's going to be great. Mermurals, they're called that, Mermurals. And then Davos Mermur- will actually be executed there because, you know what, <laughs> shit's tough and... and- in TV Westeros. like, oh shit, no here's way. that smuggler I've been hunting. <laughs> and we will present John to Ramsey. It will be completed. <laughs> tough world they live in there. For like two episodes without Ramsey Bolton, I'm like almost more anxious. Like I I'm feel really spoiled glad. but scared. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Exactly. I feel like he's busy murdering Rickon. Yeah. I'm actually glad he wasn't in two episodes. No, I'm thrilled. <laughs> I'm like, I am... I'm super glad, but but it's it's unnerving because it's like, what are you not showing us? Yeah, I mean, he's coming back. It's like, it's like you're just waiting. What is he going to do next? It's like having a really unstable dam. You're happy when it's not flooding, but you know that at some point that dam's going to break and you're going to be fucked. That's quite the metaphor. Props, small Paul. Props. I am definitely not in a shallow valley with a dam really close. <laughs> experience. With heavy rain. I can't swim. <laughs> so yeah, we can confirm that it was indeed Littlefinger that she is sending her note to. Still not telling John about it, which I expect will be further consternation between them. Which is, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about it. How is Sansa gonna play this off? Like, oh, by the way, very poorly. I can guarantee it. That's how it's gonna happen. <laughs> I'm kind of worried about Sansa. I, I like really like where she's going so far, and I feel like it's all gonna be too good to be true. Yeah. It's something, and they're gonna <laughs> fuck her over and. I really hope they don't. I really just want this season to be a good season for her, but yeah. I'm I'm nervous. I don't even know like what to think about her right now, but I'm I'm just nervous. Yeah, just what what's gonna happen next with Littlefinger and everything, but it remains to be seen, I guess. The Boltons are like don't notice these people. Like I'm guessing that they have like they're pretty well protected, right? They're just traveling from house to house. The Boltons like get no word of this at all. Uh, they probably they just the don't have the resources. <laughs> or the Bolton, I should say. He's been really? in the dungeon flame. Yeah, but he's been like the evil genius this entire time. And It's, it's true, like, they should know that there's an army gathering. Yeah. They're probably, you know what, it's gonna suck, because they're just gonna turn a corner, and like, there the Bolton army is waiting for them with the Manderleys, and with the Umbers, and probably with <sighs> people from the Reach, I mean, who knows? That'd be the fucking worst. The Tully's come up, they're like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> the Blackfish is like, I kind of like him. Euron's a thousand <laughs> ships ride into the into Winterfell. Yeah. Oh, and Danny sent one dragon because she's like Bolton. Those are my boys. Like that. That <laughs> feels like the level they've built Ramsay up to. Just like he's perfect. I think that Ramsay is unraveling. So, and he already killed Bruce. I feel like if Bruce was still here, he'd have all those people out there doing their thing, making sure the North is the North that they want. And I think that maybe Ramsay isn't 
taking as much caution as he should because he's too concerned with having Rick on and having all this power and making sure that Winterfell is his Winterfell and whatnot. Fair enough. Do you think if there's a chance that they might actually just not show the Manderleys and wait till the snowball and actually have them on Ramsey's side and have, like, like at the Battle of Ice, they have one of the flanks and then when they're attacking they just switch sides in the middle of it and, like, it's a glorious moment for the Manderleys rather than yeah, that would be talk. cool, but I feel, like with, I feel like with Littlefinger in the game also, like he's the glorious moment, unfortunately, for this battle when the Knights of the Vale come riding in to save the day. Oh my god. I can't wait till the after the episode, like on that episode when their D&D is like, <laughs> oh yeah, man. And when uh, Littlefinger wrote in, it really just echoed the way Stannis wrote in saving the wall. <laughs> I'm just going to like... When George told us my that TV. Littlefinger saved and the day. George, yeah, exactly. <laughs> George said. <laughs> you, you had something you wanted to say there, Michael? Something about the... Oh, yeah. Shouldn't the Glovers be, like, B-dialing the Boltons and being like, yeah. hey, uh, the the Starks, Santa Stark, right here, also... It's uh, kind of staying out of it, maybe. Maybe that's their... I mean, they should. They should, but maybe that's their little bit of, like, we don't really like the Boltons. We're saddled with it. And they're still going to give them time to raise an army, and so we'll just keep quiet. Like, what was the family that did that with uh, Ned? Like, right before Robert's Rebellion? Like, they have, like, web feet or something? Oh, the Sisterton people. Yeah. Let's move to King's Landing, where the High Sparrow calls Marjorie out for not having provided King Tommen with an heir yet, and also tells her to convert her grandmother to the faith, otherwise her safety might be at risk. Marjorie meets with Olena, and the Queen of Thorns tries to warn her away from this mad action, but Marjorie stays firm in her faith, with Septa Yunella watching close by. Marjorie tells Olena to return to Highgarden and slips a piece of paper into her hand before she leaves. When Olena steps outside, she opens the crumpled paper to find a Tyrell rose drawn upon it. So, those of you who said that Marjorie was bullshitting, you seem to be right. You seem to be correct. Why is there only? Why is there no note? Why is it just the rose? Because notes could be read, friend. But like, it's cryptic. Yeah, Yeah, but again, like, if if anyone, if just seeing her pass that without even knowing what's in it would be enough for Septimino to be like, what the hell? And she, Septimino, is there because she requested her too. Like, she wanted to make this show. So you would have had time to write a quick note. You know, I guess. I guess the notes, you know, she conveyed what she needed with her eyes and or it's actually a code, did, but... you know, she'll put that up against like her there's a crib the thorns will point to the letters and you know it's like a you know, it's a it's a You just gotta get back it's to like high guard where they code. have the, the, the decoder it's a codex, ring. yeah. I just I'm looking for the Fibonacci sequence to solve it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to all the photoshops of like dick butts and everything, and when she opens the letter and all that. So. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, <laughs> come on! That's what I'm excited about. And then just, she just smiles <laughs> as she holds it to her. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, and what, what was it? Oh, like the Queen of Thorns had a great line here too. What did she say? Does it talk? She was yeah. Like, yeah, she's like, does it ever talk or something? Or yeah, classic. Oh, classic oh, Lena. Thorns. I just need these two to die. Not Marjorie and Elena the delightful, but High Sparrow and Unella especially. Like this is just fundamentalism at its finest, and that. He was prepared to slut chamber in front of the whole city, and then he just comes to her quietly, like, "You need to get the king laid right now." <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was uh, like, oh, so that was I'm going to pause Game of Thrones and go take a shower. And, like, yeah. the weirdest part is, like, why is Tommen being like, so, my wife's not putting out High Sparrow? Like, why is that even yeah. coming up? Yeah, I'm sure Tommen. he's asking. I bet. I'm sure he's, like, I mean, I'm not I'm not totally taking Tommen off the hook here, but I'm sure the High Septon, whatever, High Sparrow is, is asking and needling and yeah. planting ideas. Yeah, that she's kind of waiting for him to be a little older, you know, like... <laughs> Yeah, I, I highly doubt she's, like, super into this. You know, it was very expedient for her to sleep with him the last time. Now, not so much. Yeah, doesn't she put the uh, booty embargo on him when uh, Loris gets imprisoned? Wasn't she imprisoned what? around the same time? <laughs> the booty yeah, embargo. Sharon, she's, man- she's manipulating <laughs> him. Booty embargo, what? I don't think she's attracted it's a thing. to him. He's it's still- awful. Yeah, very young. Ah, uh, yes. No, no, but I mean, like, yeah, she, not, like, she doesn't. I don't think she dislikes. Yeah, I don't think she a, dislikes yeah, Tommen. It's not sexual. Though. No, I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying that uh, again, he's what? How old? Fourteen? You know? Looks like it. I don't know. I think he's they never well, gave us an exact di- like. Yeah. Age. He's a nice 25. kid. He's he's also a pawn, though. He can be both yeah. at the same time. I guess it just reinforces for me the clear contrast again between the sort of fundamentalist behavior of the High Sparrow versus the more laid-back approach of, of Brother Ray. This might be kind of weird, but is anybody getting kind of bored of King's Landing? Like, just the idea that everybody knows it's going to get fucked up and it's just going to be war. And kind of back to what Katie and the Hall were talking about earlier is the whole the devolving of the show from the political aspect and less and less of that and just violence. Yeah, I think yeah. it kind of feels like it's spinning its wheels. It feels like none of this really matters ultimately. And it's weird because obviously we don't really know what's going to happen next, right? And maybe it'll have a payoff that's more satisfying and appealing and make it feel like it all was worth something. But as of right now, we don't really have it. Yeah, I just I don't feel that Marjorie can accomplish anything from the subterfuge. And that would be what would be interesting if like she could actually do something rather than just like string it along. Yeah, well, she's well, trying she'll... to get Loris out, but she's sending right. away, like, all of her allies, and I yeah. what, what is her plan? Do you guys have any theories? It's just get her brother and then go from there. I think that, like, she, that, that is her only goal at this point, is to do what needs to be done, or what's being asked of her, get Loris out, and then, if possible, take revenge. But how is she going to go about that? What is the strength? Oh, I don't, I think it's going, I think she's really tr- playing a longer game where she, I mean, yes, she wants uh, Loris out, but I think she's, because they would keep mentioning how, like, she cared about, she pretended to care about the people and all that, but I think she's going to, she's trying to get the small folk on her side and then she can turn the tide and maybe oh, have, yeah, like, okay. either a bloodless or, like, just to get rid of the, you know, the whole high spar on those people, like, to have the people unite behind her. Because um, she's be really playing up the, the pious queen thing at the moment, you know, and the people will love that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Tyrells were the reason why, uh, when they're, like, with Renly, were the reason why uh, King's Landing was starving. And then they opened up the Rose Road and, like, was able to feed everyone. Can't she do that same thing again? Be like, like, small people, who do you like now? Like, the fucking High Septon or me? I don't think they're that hungry now. I mean, that was in the middle of the war, and food was scarce, at least in the books. At this point, like, religious fervor might overtake that, at least, like, for the crucial long enough. I, that's a good theory there, Greg. I think that might be the plan. The reason I, um, I, I'm also not liking King's Landing as much as Jeff was saying, and I think it's just because I feel like this storyline is going much slower than 
a lot of the other storylines. Like I well, feel like where it's like except Marine, it's going slow. <laughs> yeah, that's so. correct. Well, uh, Dorn okay. is also taking a really long time to <laughs> fuck Dorn. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? What's Dorn? What? The kingdom that must not be named. <laughs> Everybody just forget about it. <laughs> remember all the adventures Jamie and Braun had, and memory nope. voided. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> 404 error not found. 404 acting not found. Yeah, I feel like it's going a little bit slow and a lot of the other storylines are going faster and I think that's why I'm not enjoying it as much even though the acting there, like I love Lena Headey, I love um, the actress that plays Marjorie and Olena, of course. It's just much slower and I feel like we're just trudging through to get this over with at the end of the season, probably. Was anyone else really scared for Elena, like bad-mouthing Cersei in front of Frank and Gregor? Yes. Oh my god, I was, like, I had, like, this thing in the pit of my stomach. I'm like, I swear to god, if they use the mountain to just, like, wreck her guards and then kill Elena, I am going to stop watching. Uh, yeah, I was like, she's getting cut in half. Like, she can't say yeah, that I she, mean, she, from, like, she, she has, like, the, the greatest the greatest takedowns on Cersei. Well, so, believe it or not, guys, we haven't actually not gotten to the Cersei part. So, let me just, <laughs> oh. let me just throw out the Cersei I believe something. it. I believe that, yeah, Zach. I yeah. believe the part. <laughs> we never do that. So, Cersei confronts Elena and tries to convince her that they must work together to save both of their houses. The Queen of Thorns says that they have already lost, all thanks to Cersei's foolish action. Elena wonders openly if Cersei is the worst person she has ever met. She tells Cersei to run if she can, but Cersei is determined to stay and fight. So yeah, this part. Yeah, I thought Elena was so dead. Because it was also just like, oh, get out of the city before you're in danger. And yeah, I was like, yeah. yeah. Where's yeah. right so and left I... when you need them, right? <laughs> but it, it was interesting to me to see Elena just go like, like, you're, you don't matter anymore to Cersei. Like, we have your son. We have the army. Like, you are just not relevant anymore. The Lannisters aren't relevant aren't relevant anymore and Cersei kind of having to take that was yeah, Cersei has been a very like quiet player this season she really hasn't taken action yet and you feel like it must be because she's playing a long game or something but yeah she's really just taking it all pretty well so far if that Give is her it. run please well actually I'm saving her run for last because you uh. saved the best for last uh, but first we go to Volantis. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> where Yara and Theon park the Iron Fleet to resupply and enjoy the comforts of a port. Theon wants nothing to do with the horrors and the drink, but Yara pushes him to partake and offers a little ironborn tough love. She shares her plan to go to Marine and forge an alliance with the Dragon Queen and that she will need him to do it and to take the Iron Islands back from Euron. Zoom in real close so that we know these are two ladies making out. Zoom in, get real close in there. She's just such a progressive character. <laughs> can't be sure. She's a liberated woman. I mean, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I feel like I feel like maybe that Michael Bay guest directed on this scene. Oh my gosh! You know what? No, obviously, nothing wrong with Asha being Yara being uh, a lesbian or bisexual or whatever. But um, I did feel a little bit like they were like, we're not sure how to how to write Asha anymore. Let's just pretend she's a man, and like just wrote her dialogue as if she were a man. <laughs> yeah. Drink, 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 drink. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. Drink yeah. and fuck, drink and fuck. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm gonna fuck the tip. What's wrong out with that? It's like, come on, guys. Thanks for the subtlety. As a lady who likes ladies, I am naturally distrustful of dudes writing women who like women or cinematographers filming women who like women. 
I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna complain about it because if it was up to me, everybody would be gay on the show. <laughs> it, it was just I always I, I had to raise an eyebrow. It, it felt a little fetishistic. Yeah. So, are there any other are there any other thoughts on you know the way that this played out? Obviously, are kind of not being it stunk. So, not being so it sucked. Sorry, so we sorry. also we're all assuming really? now that basically she's taking the Victorian. Uh, role just in in regards to like getting to Danny and everything, like you don't think Euron's gonna that they're gonna do that too, or it's just gonna be her and her sh- and her thousand sh- or whatever ship she has. I feel like you're, he's gonna chase after them, and Danny's going to get all the ships. She's gonna get Yara's ships, mm. and she's gonna get Euron's ships because all of her ships got conveniently burnt in the first episode. <laughs> yeah, we, God, we can't forget about so that. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. So, do you think Euron burnt them down? No. Was your some people think that? Like that. Did. Us anytime soon. Waka waka waka. That's what he's <laughs> so silly. I, I I don't know. I thought this scene was bizarre and really shorthand. How can we bring Theon back from the edge and give him a little pep talk from his sister, telling him to go kill himself? Uh, it was really, it was really, you know, like, I almost had to, like, just mentally gloss over how wrong this was. Like, not, obviously, I'm not expecting, like, actual psychological decency from, from or, like, uh, Yara to be an actual psychologist for Theon or anything like that. But, like, you know, her just being like, dude, why are you still so upset about all this? Come on. I was like... I, they sent you his penis. Like, you know. Like, you know. All right, I won't joke anymore, bro. It's okay. <laughs> They're just bored of writing Theon, and Alfie Allen's probably like, I'm bored of being sad all the time. Just get me from point A to point B and give me some buck in my step. Let me drink away my two, three seasons of drama. They're like, all right, nobody wants to see this crap anymore. Let's have badass Theon again. Give him an axe and a winch and more beer. You got a haircut, too, don't forget. Oh, yeah. So pirates get peg legs. Do you think Theon no, could get something not. similar? <laughs> Maybe strap on. <laughs> Did anyone else wonder? And this might just be my Euron paranoia, but like, was anyone else like, "Oh, the wine is poisoned"? No, because the show Euron is a is a, no. is a is a pud. So no, <laughs> the I don't know. I, I don't think I don't think Yara's making it out of this season. Yara Maybe. says, "Drink, drink," and then she rips <laughs> off so... her face, and it's Euron the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just so confused what the arc is for these two characters. What is what is the next thing for Theon? Like, is he going to have some Odyssey quest where he re- retakes his his identity, or is this just it? Is he like better now, or is he not better now? I don't know. Well, no, here's what I think. I think uh, Theon. I I'm going to say this. I don't remember, but like Theon and Yara, like. I guess make it to Danny and blah blah blah, but then there's basically Euron kills Yara and Theon has to take his take up his sister's banner oh. in his rightful place as king of no. the island. No, she's so but, much cooler than him. I agree with right. you, which is probably why it's gonna happen. But it's not Yara's story; it's Theon's story. No, exactly. you can't kill the one gay woman on the show. They can't do no, this. Come up with a new one, Katie. Oh, are they gonna have Theon bond with Grey Worm? Could join the Unsullied. How weird is it going to be with Theon interacting with Danny? It does not compute in my head. Yeah, I was gone for a few minutes. Did we already talk about the great life advice Asha gives her brother? Suck it up. 
Like, uh, yourself? either, like, drink or Fuck fucking that. slit your wrists. Oh, thanks, Yara. Thanks. She is a pirate, so coming from a, a liber- uh, progressive pirate, that is good life advice. <laughs> Maybe I'm you know, still pining for Book Asha, who is just so much more sensible. You had a point there, Casey. Yeah, you know, I just... When Asha said that line, I'm like, oh my god, the end's dead right here. Done. But he wasn't. And, you know, I was before I learned about what Benioff said, um, I just... I was okay with it. And then he was like... Asha had to show him tough love. Was it Adam? Yeah, yeah. she said she. Yeah, he was like, yeah, you know, it's you know, this is just kind of a very ironborn way that they deal with it. And you're like, okay, sure, yeah. And he's like, you know, this is just like the tough love that he needed right now. And you can see that gleam in his eyes. Yeah, that was the Keon weird part. Coming back, and you're like, oh my god. That's the weird part. I mean, I can understand it coming from their their culture, and you know, that's the way they behave. But like, he seemed to genuinely believe it was like a good life philosophy or something. Yeah. I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> Let's go to Bravos. Where Do we have to? We have Get back to. in twenty minutes. Where Arya books passage <laughs> on a Westerosi ship back to her homeland as she is walking to the streets of Bravos. An old woman approaches her, and no, wait, it's the wave. And Arya's been stabbed multiple times in the stomach. Wait, that was the wave? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't well, who notice the fuck else she... would it be? We haven't seen any other faceless men. You didn't notice when jacket. she rips off her face in public and is a wave assassin like guys. I. I I was joking. I was thinking, like, did Mikhail honestly think Arya just got, like, shivved by just a random old lady in the street? <laughs> like, uh, so yeah. You know on. what? Th- th- there's no, you know what? Th- these books, this TV show is, har- is harsher than the books. Like, so sometimes you just get shipped yeah. by a random old lady. I mean, <laughs> when she was holding her guts in later, it didn't seem like anyone was rushing to help her, so... It's yeah. a tough... Walk it off, Arya. Walk it this off. This is pretty How's fucking... And she will. How stupid is Arya knowing she just spurned the faceless men, and she's just walking around Bravos throwing jar- caches of bags of money, and, like, walking around with her hands behind her back? Like, what the fuck? Like, fucking butter won't melt in her mouth? Yeah. <laughs> What? Not exactly how I was putting it, but yes. <laughs> That's what okay, Nicole right. wrote in her article. I've never heard that in my life. I was like, like is she walking around like butter won't melt in her mouth? Is that a thing? <laughs> is that, that a phrase? Yes. So how the, how the fuck does Arya survive? Okay, I heard a really dumb theory. I was really, I, I liked this, okay? Because this was the first time that I was like surprised or worried for Arya at all. You weren't actually, were you? This time? Yeah. Oh, I really was. I was like, well, I was certainly You watched her get stabbed, Greg. No, but, like, she's so <laughs> safe. She's going to make it to at least to the end. There's no way she's... Yeah, I'm, okay, but, 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 like, when, you know, when the wave, like... You no, know, I was, yeah, I was like, what's happening? Oh, my God, yeah. kind of like this. At, at least no. they pretend that she's in danger, right? At least but at that point, I really, like, I had that flash, like, oh, my gosh, maybe the wave does take her face. I'm like, we, you know, we have this whole... We had a theory, right? Yeah. Um, but... I heard this really stupid theory that the more I think of it, the more I think it cannot be true, but um, that Arya was, like, somehow playing the waif and, like, this is all, like, um, acting true theatrics, like, fake blood and blah, blah, blah. And But I don't really... I don't know how the waif no. wouldn't realize that she wasn't actually stabbing. Because she... Because Arya's clothing was baggy or something, so like she was wearing baggy. And her walking through the streets with no one helping her, yeah, just you know, it, really it, playing it, it up. It felt a bit like it was some plan by her to get. I I felt like if that was 
if, if that was true, it would have ended with her falling in the water. That that, that last yeah, scene I, felt yeah. I felt was this, and I agree, Michal. I actually really did like these this set of scenes, and I thought that last part where she was walking through the street was just viscerally upsetting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that 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 was the point at that point. That yeah, she's in danger, but someone's probably going to come rescue her. Probably Gendry. Gendry, yeah. he's finally rode in the shore. <laughs> yeah, he just made it there. You know what? I I'm telling you guys, if he literally like rose up to the 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 dinghy, the the key, whatever, at Bravo's, and like leaps <laughs> off and sees Arya and like catches her as she falls, unconscious in his arms, I will be fine. I, I, that's <laughs> fine. I don't care. That's totally cool by me. Well, Honestly, the next me too. Is, uh, the next episode is called No One, so she's probably going back to the temple. She's, you know, the the first thing she ever saw in the temple was the guy there crawling to die and everything, so it's probably going to be some variation of that, and like they'll realize, oh, they've made a terrible mistake and they'll heal her somehow. Arya is our bestest distraction. I just want to see, like, Gendry rowing up going, oh, fucking Davos. Yeah, row this. <laughs> Dumbass. The sea is too massive for me to keep track of what that way is. <laughs> to be fair to Davos, he said, like, keep the shoreline on your right or left. Or Does the so. illiterate boy know left from right? <laughs> We've been over this. Uh, He's a blacksmith, so- not a fucking sailor. <laughs> Keep your hammer arm to the shore. I really hope it's not just a plot, though, and she's really fine and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'll just be very frustrated if Either that way, happens. she's going to be fine. It's, uh, that's fine, all right, yeah, yeah I get that. Though. But like, she, she just needs to see a doctor real quick. That's a gut... St- she twisted that knife. Yeah, that multiple stab wounds. Yeah, but, but why but do you like, stab there's... in the gut? Like, you could, That's going to take you hours to bleed out. She just cut her yeah. throat or stabbed her in the back. She's standing she, she, behind I think her. She, she tried for the throat at first, but the, the waif is the worst, and she could have gone for the throat, but she's just like, let me stab you in the gut. You know, let well, me yeah, because, for a while. Because, uh, what's his name? Like, explicitly said, don't let her suffer, and it's like, oh, well, stabbing in the gut is a slow death. That'll just make yeah, her like, suffer. I feel, I feel like the waif is, is like, the worst like, she's going to get fired soon. Something's obviously Arya is going to be saved, because as much as we'd like there to be consequences for Arya, it would be so stupid if she just died and none of this meant anything, right? That would be pretty disappointing. Unless they take her face. That would be cool, she yeah. She that, That's the one way out of it, but they're clearly not going that way. So. I bet she's going to the Mummer's troop. The lady, whatever, that she saved last episode will heal her up. Yeah, lady but you can't heal. It's got to be magic. Like there's got to be because you can't just fix someone who got stabbed in the gut twenty times back then. At no, least. well, she got stabbed She's like a, a couple. Actress. She got stabbed a couple times, and it's not that bad. Like there's, it's a there's, gut wound, though. There's no you can't go in there and fix intestines and shit. Right, but well, it depends. It, it, the knife was kind of small, and they could have easily missed anything vital. Like it's there's there's a lot of stuff there that's like whatever if it gets punctured. But aren't the you know man supposed to be good at this worst assassin? Yeah, everything that's, that's what I'm saying is that they're the worst assassins. They're just like it actually probably would have been worse. It would have been it would have been more likely to kill her if she stabbed her like in the leg or something and like could have hit an artery or whatnot. Dying. Like just right in the stomach there, it's a lot easier to miss to miss stuff. So and I mean, like, like she fell in dirty water, and she's got an open stomach wound, so not 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 doing well. That's poop yeah. water too. That's it is, yeah. city water. Give her a health potion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Let's go to River Run. Our final scene. Here we go. 
where Jamie and Bronn arrive at Riverone with the Lannister army at their backs. They watch the two Freys try to force Brendan Tully to surrender by threatening his nephew's wife. This is wife. It's life. <laughs> but his wife is not in evidence at the moment. But the Blackfish calls their bluff. Jamie arrives and says that he will be taking charge of this farce of a siege and orders Edmure to be bathed and fed. Jamie then goes to the castle to parlay with the Blackfish and the old warrior meets him. Jamie says that they will be better off if he surrenders the castle, but the Blackfish holds firm and dares Jamie to try to seize the castle. Jamie asks why the Tully was willing to parlay at all. Brendan says that he wanted to get the measure of Jamie and that he's disappointed with what he saw. So yeah, really good part, very consistent with the books. I'm gonna say yeah. I had to come up with so many pronouns for this for this, for this uh, <laughs> summary because it was just two guys talking the whole time. But yeah. Isn't most of the dialogue is almost spot on from the books, right? Between Jamie and yeah. Blackfish? Mm-hmm. Really yep. Basically. I was really scared he was going to push Jamie in the moat. He would sink! That's the end of the siege! I expected the opposite. I thought Jamie was just going to stab Brendan and be like, fuck this, and it was over. I, one of them probably should have done one of those things. But one of them is a king, is an earthbreaker. Yeah, but As they just wanted to show us all that sweet armor. That armor was sweet. Dude, the Tully army armor was awesome. There was a lot of, like, armor porn and castle porn in this episode. Do you that think r- what they're going to do is they're going to build, like, keep inflating in the conflating, uh, conflating plots and, like, they're bringing Brienne in here and she mentioned <laughs> something about a duel in the preview. Like, they're going to make it seem like this really inescapable escalation of violence and then it's going to end up just like in the books where Jamie essentially, he makes the compromise, he does the right thing, the honorable thing. Or, like, is that is that something Show Jamie would do at this point? I don't know. Show Jamie is almost in, like, fuck it mode, and, like, he's not... He's kind of going in the opposite direction as Book Jamie a little bit. The Lannisters need to kick ass all over the place. I just want to see him cut Edmure down. I like that chapter a lot. Bron. Bron. Sorry. Oh, Bron. <laughs> fuck Bron. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole, like... I've, I've, I have... Fuck, I'm going to butcher it. Katie, you can say it. I don't remember what he said. I'm just baffled that he's here. But glad... Oh, I like the way he's like, Alanis are always, don't fucking say it. Don't fucking say it. Another good I like the whole, the whole, like, bet line, like, I'm going to bet on the old guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's an an old man. (laughs) And you have one one hand. hand. My money's on the old boy. (laughs) So what is the, like, the the actual in-show explanation for why he is there? He's Jamie's right-hand man, as we heard. When, When the blackfish is like, oh, go ahead and cut his throat about Edmure... Was that, like, I know he's like that in the books, but, like, it just kept radiating back to me how, like, much of a dick the Blackfish was about Edmure in in the show. Like, about, like at every single turn. And I was almost like, maybe he just doesn't care. <laughs> like, you know. He might, but, like, he was under no impression that they would actually go through with it because he, he just saw right through them, at least in this instance. I, I, I found the show version weird because i always felt like in the books like he was actually protecting jane westerling and rob's you know unborn son more than he would care about like since the riverlands like pledged themselves to the king of the north like it was like the king's like heir rather than his actual houses it feels more stubborn and pointless than it even does in the books yeah that's fair enough definitely I feel like we were really critical of Blackfish, like, back in season three, in that he just seemed like a jerk most of the time. I remember Shellfish saying he wanted to, like, cut his head off or something. 
<laughs> like he was just a piece of shit who just he was there to make crass jokes and give people a hard time who didn't deserve it. Oh, shellfish. Where are I miss you? you? Come back. <laughs> Somebody should insert like a clip of some classic shellfish moment now. There'll be plenty of that in VOK 300. And I'm ready. That's what let's do. Yes, he will return. <laughs> shellfish? <laughs> Is that you? <laughs> so many fallen soldiers. Anyway. Um, we gave a moment of silence. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably Fuck fine, guys. He's probably fine. <laughs> he deserves it. <laughs> there you go. Amy and Brienne are gonna fight, and Brienne's gonna die. No, how did Brienne lose against Jamie? Because she's gonna let him. Uh, what? Why? Oh, she loves she him. Brienne's gonna get some uh, inspiration from the wildlings and steal herself a husband. I'm confused. Is she she's not with. Did she go off somewhere with like Melisandre and Pod on, separately, or are they just not shown in this episode? I don't know where the fuck Melisandre has to be there. So yeah, episode preview spoiler. There's a moment where she's talking to Jamie and saying basically like, "I'm compelled to fight you." What? Jesus, criminy. That's it's what what criminy last week. It's that she is loyal to the Blackfish because she's loyal to Sansa. So if the Blackfish refuses to yield to Jamie and Jamie insists that there must be some kind of confrontation here, whether it's one on one or whether it's storming the castle, then Brienne is fighting Jamie, one way or another. She won't hurt him. And we get him angrily whispering like how much he loves Cersei and how he'll kill every Tully if he has to to get back to her. Which ugh. God damn it, show Jamie. You don't even believe this. <laughs> like, any, well, any other predictions? I, I don't know what the outcome will be. I don't know if it's actually going to be Bri- or Jamie killing Brienne, but it's possible. Okay. I guess. There is a shot in the preview where. Tyrion looks up and he gasps and he's looking at chandeliers on the ceiling. The chandeliers <laughs> like God, shaking the so I think like a dragon is maybe landing on the pyramid. I don't know. Oh, you, you mean the dragons the he time? set free, free in like episode two? The, well, it could uh, be Danny returning seen? with Dragon. 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 <laughs> Dragon. <laughs> Where are my Drogon and Carl Westeros? Carl Drogo. Well, you it sounded like you were trying to say Drogon, but it sounded more like Drogon. Khaleesi's gonna come back with Drogon. So, also, Lancel's gonna die. Fuck yeah. Was that Lancel we saw? Jesus Christ. Katie, tell us how you really feel. I don't like Zalitz. I get, like, I don't know. The writing of that, like, preview scene just made me shudder. It's like, step aside or there will be violence. I choose violence. Okay, Cersei. Oh, that's right. That. Is that Arya leaping off a balcony? It looks like it. Yeah. yeah. That's Gendry. Into Gendry's arms, yeah. <laughs> His oh, giant buff angry. arms. From all the <laughs> His arms are going to be so fucking <laughs> swole by the time he gets to Bravos. <laughs> He's like, just, just punch a hole in the wall. His legs have atrophied. <laughs> he walks in his, his arms. Oh my God. Yeah, he just tucks his legs up to his body and just walks using his arms like fucking. He's like, yeah, well, I'm a cripple hey, because I didn't use my legs for three years. If you thought Gendry's abs were awesome before, you just wait. He's got like 18 of them oh, now. Fucking yes. You can pull all the leeches off of them. 
I'll do I remember it. that scene where Gendry got leeches all over him. On, well, no, it was just on, on his penis. penis. Oh, yeah, that, that that was a callback I was doing. The dick that, leeches. That was that, terrible. That's when the show made sense, point. right? Do you guys want to talk about cartoons for an hour again? Yeah, we'll I get do. That. Yeah, sure. But we'll get to that, but first, yes. Thank you guys very much for listening to Dragoncast once again. Obviously, we enjoy that you are taking the time to listen to all our crazy thoughts and thank you guys very much for joining me for this review if you want to check us out at the vessels of kingsgrave you can do so at the bok podcast wordpress on twitch wait no not on twitch (laughs) (laughs) on On twitch Oh, thing, right? We do not want to be the people who live stream. You cannot trust <laughs> us to live stream. We would we fuck up so much. Telltale the whole time. Yeah, yeah there would be like two people watching. <laughs> I don't Whoa, know is Twitch a real thing or did he make it's a joke? Is that an actual I don't know. On Twitch, on Tinder, on Grinder, on on Blitzen, on Periscope, on Musically, on. On LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. What the fuck <laughs> is music? If you want to connect with us, you can do so. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get on that Pied Piper pretty soon. If you'd like to join with our professional network on LinkedIn. Kraken. Kraken. Dragon. Wait, aren't we dragons? Dragon cast. Dragon. What is that? Dragon. Welcome to Dragon cast. sorts of outlaws, just as there are many sorts of birds. A sandpiper and a sea eagle both have wings, but they are not the same. The singers love to sing of good men forced to go outside the law to fight some wicked lord, but most outlaws are more like this ravening hound than they are the lightning lord. They are evil men, driven by greed, soured by malice, despising the gods, and caring only for themselves. Broken men are more deserving of our pity, though they may be just as dangerous. Almost all are common-born, simple folk who had never been more than a mile from the house where they were born, 
until the day some lord came round to take them off to war. Poorly shod and poorly clad, they marched away beneath his banners, oft-times with no better arms than a sickle or a sharpened hoe, or a maul they made themselves by lashing a stone to a stick with strips of hide. Brothers marched with brothers, sons with fathers, friends with friends. They've heard the songs and the stories, so they go off with eager hearts, dreaming of the wonders they will see, of the wealth and glory they will win. War seems a fine adventure, the greatest most of them will ever know. Then they get a taste of battle, and for some that one taste is enough to break them. Others go on for years until they lose count of all the battles they have fought in, but even a man who has survived a hundred fights can break in his hundred and first. Brothers watch their brothers die, fathers lose their sons, friends see their friends trying to hold their entrails in after they've been gutted by an axe. They see the lord who led them there cut down, and some other lord shouts that they are his now. They take a wound, and when that's still half healed, they take another. There is never enough to eat, their shoes fall to pieces from the marching, their clothes are torn and rotting, and half of them are shitting in their breeches from drinking bad water. If they want new boots, or a warmer cloak, or maybe a rusted iron half-helm, they need to take them from a corpse, and before long, they are stealing from the living as well, from the small folk whose lands they're fighting in, men very like the men they used to be. They slaughter their sheep and steal their chickens, and from there it's just a short step to carrying off their daughters, too. And one day, they look around and realize all their friends and kin are gone, that they are fighting beside strangers beneath a banner that they hardly recognize. They don't know where they are or how to get back home, and the lord they're fighting for does not even know their names. Yet here he comes, shouting for them to form up, to make a line with their spears and scythes and sharpened hoes, to stand their ground. And then the knights come down on them, faceless men, clad all in steel. The iron thunder of their charge seems to fill the world. And the man breaks. He turns and runs, or crawls off afterward over the corpses of the slain, or steals away in the black of night, and he finds some place to hide. All thought of home is gone by then, and kings and lords and gods mean less to him than a haunch of spoiled meat that will let him live another day, or a skin of bad wine that might drown his fears for a few hours. The broken man lives from day to day, from meal to meal, more beast than man. Lady Brienne is not wrong. In times like these, the traveler must beware of broken men and fear them. But he should pity them as well.
It's Hod- it's, so it's Hodor's uh, twin brother, Walder. Because on the show, he's Willis. No? Anyone? Yeah, I got yeah, it. I sit back down. Yeah. <laughs> Why were you standing up? <laughs> I stand up whenever I try to make something witty happen. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> the winds of winter are great this time of year, aren't they? What? Oh, come on! <laughs> You're so good! I don't get it. <laughs> Was that a line? Explain, explain yourself, young Link. <laughs> um, you got to so fucking fast! <laughs> <laughs> what? I still don't know what's happening. Okay, so you want to explain the joke? They got to Palantis so fucking fast, the winds of winter must be great this time of year. Uh, uh, <laughs> you guys are the fucking word. Because boats use wind to move, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't get it. I'm planning that one. <laughs> it's just sad. <laughs> Katie. I think Katie's sigh should be the opener for the episode. (laughs) 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 So I saw something on the internet that said the real X-Men, and it was uh, Grey Worm, Varys, and uh, Theon. Oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah, Uh... because they're missing their stuff. Because they're not men anymore. They're where's that? Men. Where's that cricket? <laughs> Cue it. Cue it up, buddy. Ah, <laughs> ah, 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 ah. I wish Book Jamie could like slap Show Jamie. That would that would make me happy. <laughs> Show Jamie needs to go back to the Brave Companions to learn some more. Yeah, where was he in season five? They need to cut off his other hand. Yeah, they didn't even him. show him in season five. He wasn't even in that season. <laughs> All my jokes are so fucking bad. (laughs) That one was good. I like that. (laughs) They're better if you stand up while saying them. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even know where we are right now. So So explain that. No, I'm kidding. It seems like every podcast we've been on had the same story again and again. (laughs) Did Jimmy judge? Judge. Judge. Oh, sorry. Hey, he's from New Jersey. Bayonne, New Jersey, is he so? <laughs> he's a Jets fan. Oh, Even though I'm and a Giants fan. fan. And the first great. time I got blocked. And Giants fan. <laughs> he was wearing his Giants hat. Nice. Or That's awesome. The first comic I bought was a Fantastic Four. <laughs> George is not Larry David. He's very hard to do actually. Now I'm trying to think. He's got a titter. You gotta, you gotta. Yeah, dude, his weird <laughs> laugh. Like, <laughs> can't do it. He's the best laugh it's, ever. It's very. <laughs> 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 Uh, uh, it makes me nervous. I don't like. I don't like podcasting under these circumstances. Why, why do you think I, I created backup recorder? Backup recorder didn't join this morning, uh, though. He probably should have given all the. Pro- he could have hosted the call. Of course, it's a man. <laughs> well, I, I, I created him in my image. <laughs> How dare you, Adam? So I feel like it was we... actually really funny. Were you standing when you said that joke? <laughs> it actually was. I usually stand up in the after show to stretch my legs. 
I too think Greg tries to be funny. <laughs> Shut up. No one's had no one's seen that episode yet. They don't know what you're talking about. Casey, your joke wasn't good. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. What joke was it? Uh, <laughs> there was a joke? Just just listen to the fucking podcast later. It'll probably I, I think Zach's already cut it. It'll probably be my no, it'll it probably be my bumper. Oh. <laughs> I won't do that what, to what joke my, was my first podcast I was ever on, I made a bad George Carlin paraphrase and I was like, Zach, just cut that out and he kept it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be nice to your editor because they can make you look good. <laughs> or, Wasn't it you, Greg, that was like practicing your line for one of the full castle recordings but you weren't <laughs> muted so everyone could hear you going like asha asha queen <laughs> see i thought i was but i don't remember if that actually was that. Just, yeah. no, there's no way i was not i, I checked my mute for that wait but casey I was practicing <laughs> you're the one who edited the doctor who cast right Yes, of course. Yeah, and you fucking led with me, like, stumbling all over my goddamn words. It was my first goddamn p- time on the podcast, it's just Casey. the editor is all of Not happy about that. I like Well, it was I probably like her podcast. first time editing. Yeah, Go easy on the girl. Um, no, she, she was deliberate. And she's had awful jokes this entire evening. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that the whole first part of the Doctor Who thing, I only put in because Zach said just open the show with it. That was the only reason I left it. I, that, that's why that oh, was. Oh, Zach. So it was Zach. You just under the bus. <laughs> Zach finger strikes again. <laughs> Zach finger. was me. <laughs> Zach finger? <laughs> Like little finger, I hope. Fat <laughs> <Zach> finger. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'm being lazy. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. And here's our laugh track. Ah, 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 ah. They're like these high-end gasoline books. They're uh, they're it's like a history. Gasoline. Yeah, I know. It's a very high-end book publisher, Matt. Left, it's like gasoline, but for your butt. <laughs> Sir, oh, would you like my, to buy a my book? My friend used to work at the store. He'd always say it's it's like vaseline for your butt. Which is you want to hear something funny about lubrication products? No. Yeah. Well, this <laughs> place. No. Well, I'm telling you anyway. No, 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 yeah, no, 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 no. Nobody said yes. Where, Sorry, Adam. Where I where I work, we, you use you know. KY Jelly. What? And, um, <laughs> where do you work? Where do you work? Where do you work, Adam? Oh, maybe I'll tell you something. But, um, Adam, but yeah, so. Is this appropriate for Casey? Are you one of those guys who are old enough? It's perfectly appropriate. But anyway, one of the, one of the girls, like, so she's, she, I guess, just had never heard of it before. And so it's on the list or like pulling all the, all the supplies we need and stuff. And <laughs> she, she asked, what's, what's what? Kentucky what? Jelly? <laughs> Oh Jesus! And we had to explain. She knows her abbreviations. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. We had to explain what it is and what it's used for. Well, what, what it's typically used for, anyway. Who for that years she said, for. "I'm gonna go Spanish. work out at that Spanish place, Law Fitness." <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, it's from California, guys. Law Fitness. <laughs> Wait, but yeah, we use Adam, it for like like you... sur- surgical instruments and stuff, so it's not. Quite... I, 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 uh, yeah, it's nothing uh, like that. Way to pop the bubble out of Wink, surgical <laughs> instruments, wink, wink. Doesn't KY Jelly have sugar in it? Like something that's not good for you. Oh, you're not supposed to eat it. <laughs> well, no, you're not. It, like it, it could like cause infections and shit. It's got, like... it, I think it's got because it's got like eleven <laughs> herbs and spices. 
original recipe by jelly <laughs> that's kfc ky is it original <laughs> recipe or extra tingly <laughs> guys i really think we might have just like be scraping the bottom of the well at this point <laughs> Am I hosting the call? Can I end this madness? <laughs> no, no, you can't. <laughs> Are you? VOK is purgatory. Alright, the scissors are nearing your lifeline. <laughs> Alright. Night, everyone. Alright, guys. <laughs> Good night. Is my lifeline my penis?